How many of you have been declaring this week our declaration that I am disciplined, Christ in me, stronger than the wrong desires in me? That's been the premise and the kind of the foundation of this whole series of talks we're in right now called The Power to Change. And we're going to be diving into this over the next several weeks, discovering how to change and how to have the power to change. Because few things in life are more frustrating than knowing that you need to change and you're trying to change, but you're not actually changing. That's frustrating. So we've begun diving into these series of talks, and I want to continue that today. And today I want to talk through something that many of us, if not all of us, struggle with on a daily basis. Something that is a challenge for all of us to to live out and to do. And I want to read to you a short but very, very powerful scripture that if you will embrace it and you will apply it, it will guarantee there is a promise at the end of this. There is a declaration that it will change your life. It will change your life. So if you have your Bible with you or you have your phone or a Bible app or whatever, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23, verse 7. If you don't know the book of Proverbs, it's considered the book of wisdom. Need some wisdom? Go read Proverbs. Short and sweet, Proverbs 23, verse 7. This is what it says. For as he thinks in his heart, not his mind, Not his emotions, but as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Let's just read that together. Proverbs 23, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Today, I want to preach to you from the title, Stop the Negative Self-Talk. Stop negative self-talk let's pray father i thank you for today i thank you for your word i thank you for your people that are in here today god we thank you for your presence in this room we thank you for those that are watching from the other side of a screen at wherever they may find themselves at today and god we pray today that your word would just saturate us that it would penetrate our heart that it would cut through all the way down to the core because that's what your word does it is sharper than any double-edged sword So do what only you can do today, God. We've opened up your word. We're wanting to feel your insight. Speak to us. We're here not to just say we came to church. We're here not to just tick a box and say, God, we showed up, so show up in my life. No, we're here because we want to encounter you. We want to embrace your presence. We want to grow closer to you. We want to have a spiritual encounter that changes us from the inside out. So speak to us today. Do a work in us. Help us to see who you are a little bit more. Let us take another step closer to you. We love you. We're grateful for you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said a big amen. Amen. Now give someone a hug before you're seated today. Y'all know I'm going to say it anyway. 
all the introverts sit down really quick and open their Bible like they're trying to do something spiritual. How many of you are huggers? Like, how many of you like you big huggers? Like, you know, you're already waving your hands and everything. How many of you are not huggers? Woo, you're going to feel uncomfortable in this church. That's all I got to say. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why do you do what you do? Like, why do you do what you do? Like, we're going to throw these pictures up, and I want you to kind of think to yourself in all three of these categories, why do you do what you do? So you're already thinking of all the different scenarios in your head that comes with any one of these pictures. So why, why do you almost always hit snooze? Don't bump your neighbor. I snoozed like three times this morning because it went off at 530. I was like, Lord, help me. Why, why do you why do you almost always arrive a few minutes late? Why do you do that? Or why do you, how many of you wake up before your alarm? Like you wake up before it even goes off. Like you don't even have to set one. Like your body has a natural alarm clock. We all hate you. God bless you. <laughs> My alarm clock's coming four little voices saying, daddy, daddy, daddy. This is just the way that you're wired. How many of you, like you, you're the first one to show up at the meeting. Why do you do what you do? It's a good thing. But asking the question, why do you do what you do? How many of you like, why do you almost always pick the healthier choice at the restaurant? You know, they come out and you go to the restaurant and you sit down and they give you the menu and you got like 8,700 different items to pick from. But there's like three and a half items that says healthy fit items. And you go straight to that. Why do you do what you do at restaurants? Or why do you always get the better tasting choice? So instead of getting chicken, you're like, I'm going to get Chicken fried steak. It's still got the word chicken in it. The better tasting option. Why do you do what you do? Why do you almost always give God the first in your finances? Why do you manage your money so wisely? Why do you why are you intentional about it? Why do you do what you do? Or why do you always spend more than you have? Why do you do what you do? I want to talk a little bit today about that very question. And I want to give you what some secondary reasons, not the primary. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the secondary reasons that are very valid on why you do what you do. So oftentimes we do what we do because the first thing is you feel obligated. Why do you do what you do? You feel obligated to check a box. You, you feel obligated to God that this is what he said. And I feel obligated that I need to do this. You feel obligated maybe to your parents. You maybe feel obligated to your job. You do what you do because you feel obligated. If it was your choice, you would hit snooze. But you can't hit snooze because you'll be late. Why do you do what you do? The second secondary reasons is you do what you do because you want to. You want to do it. You care. You care about others. You care to be disciplined. You care 
for the outcome that will happen if you do what you do. You care just to please God, not, not the fact that you just feel obligated, but no, you actually want to please God. You care. You want to. Why do you do what you do? Maybe it's because you want to be accepted. This is the third reason we often do what we do is because we want people to like us. We want people when they look at us to be someone that they would be friends with or or like or we could have a relationship with. You do. Why do you do what you do? And I want to talk today about the primary reason, the biggest reason that you do what you do. And that's this. You do what you do because of what you think of you. Why do you do what you do? You do what you do because of what you think of you. There was a study shown that there are in, in split second decisions. You, you, you make these three questions in any situation that arises in like milliseconds. You ask yourself three primary questions, and I want to talk about those a little bit. The very first primary question you ask yourself is what type of person am I? That's the first question you ask yourself within milliseconds of making a decision is what kind of person am I? The second one is what kind of situation is this? And the third one is what does someone like me do in a situation like this? Okay, let's talk about, for instance, you're in a situation where you're tempted to cheat. You don't know the answer, but your friend obviously knows the answer. And you just look over and you're tempted to go. The answer is A. And let me just write down A. You may be tempted to do that, but in that split seconds, you're asking yourself, what type of person am I? What situation is this? What does a person like me do in a situation like this? What, what do you do in a situation when you're tempted to steal? When you're tempted to lie? When you're tempted to gossip about somebody that you know or you thought you knew? What do you do when you feel tempted to give? When you're tempted to forgive when you're tempted to assume the best out of someone rather than the worst. You ask yourself in any scenario, what kind of person am I? What situation is this and what does a person like me do in a situation like this? Like, for instance, you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off. Oh, I start speaking in tongues. <laughs> Someone's rude to you at work. Someone says something. Are you the type of person that just writes them off, that shows them that there's only one way to heaven? <laughs> you need to meet the father today, baby. Or are you loving and you believe the best? Oh, they don't really know. They were just distracted. Their kids are probably screaming in the car. They're probably on their way to the, the, the doctor right now because the baby's coming. Like, how many of you are that kind of person? Like, you give everybody the benefit? I don't, okay? If you cut me off, you're going to know by the power of my foot. I will not tell you which way to heaven in a certain way. I will pray over you in a very fiercely manner that God's going to do what he's going to do. And I hope your wheels fall off while you're driving. But that's okay. What do you do when, when someone, when, when they bring donuts to work? 
What do you do? Are you the type of person that moves so quickly you, you just got to get to you double fist in it? Like you hear the donuts are here and you run. Double portion. Or are you the person that walks out and goes, no, I, I brought my healthy snack today. I'm going to have my carrots and celery and ranch and it's just wonderful tasting. But in every part of your life, you do what you do because of what you think of you. I remember an example one time where this was a, several years ago. This is like over a decade ago. We had we had a youth night that was happening and I was the youth pastor at the time. And and um, I, I get word that like, it was a pretty we had like a big event that night. I'll, I'll explain that it was a big event. And I got word that there was a fight about to break out between some students and, and so bad that that there was a car about like pulling up with his friends that they were ready to jump another person. There was a whole situation. This was years and years ago. And all the, I, I get this word and I had a decision to make in that moment. Do I watch a front row seat at an MMA fight? But I had to ask, what kind of person am I? I'm a pastor. I pro, what, what do I do in a situation like this? I break up fights. So I did what when any good pastor or person would do, I walk out. But the key to this, the thing that was very interesting that made this whole situation stop almost in an instant was the event that was happening was actually a dress rehearsal for an old drama we used to do called The Messiah. And I just so happened that in those years, I actually played Jesus. So I, in my fully dress rehearsal dress. This is a true story. No lie. Ask youth leaders that have been with me for a long time. I walk out in the Jesus wig, white robe, purple sash and Jesus sandals before they were Jesus sandals. And all I do is walk out and I said, stop. And let me tell you, it worked. They didn't know what was happening in that moment. They were like, Jesus has showed up. True story. Why do you do what you do? What kind of person am I? And here's what I'm learning in my life. And something that I want you to write down today is if you want to change what you do, you have to change what you think of you. If you want to change what you do. You have to change what you think of you. And if you're like me and maybe some of you are, maybe some of you aren't, but I, I can find it easier sometimes to believe the negative rather than the positive. I can find it easy for me to often look at how things can get better rather than enjoying the beauty of where things are right now. Like, like I can walk away with our staff and they know this. Well, I'm always finding ways to improve. I, I will have a lot of feedback to our staff very often. A lot of times I keep my mouth shut because I'm trying to let people grow and do their thing. But I, in certain times I'll walk out like that person was flat today. This drummer didn't know what he was doing. I'm a drummer and I'm a musician, so I know how to say all this. And I'll say like that person, I don't know why they were sitting them that way. And the sound was this and the parking was this and work. And, and I can I can instead of enjoying the beauty of how good things really were, I can focus on just the few negative things in that moment. But why do I often I, I can even do this in my own self? I, after I leave here, I immediately listen to myself preach and I immediately go into critique mode. Why did you say that? Why did you look that way? 
Why did you take a step like that? You look like an idiot. Why are you wearing that fit today? Like you don't look good. Change, just throw it away, burn it. But why? I ask myself, though, why do I often believe bad things about myself? Why do I often believe bad things about the situation that I'm in? And I want to be very, very clear today. And that's this. The devil is a liar. I want to be clear right out the front. And he's been lying to you and been lying to me since the day we've been born and before we were born. John 8, Jesus is talking in this moment, and he's telling us this very thing in John chapter eight, verse 44 and 40, 45, it says the devil has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And then Jesus goes on to tell them. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. You're so used to hearing lies, what you aren't, how you can't, what you won't be. And sadly, it is so much easier in our day and age and in our world to believe the toxic lies. It's so much easier. And that when you do something that you're not proud of, let me tell you, the devil doesn't tell you you did something bad. No, he actually begins to attack your identity to tell you that you are someone who's bad. Not just what you did was bad, but you are someone who's bad. And guess what? You can't change. You are a sinner. That's just the way that you are. You will always be that way. Why do you think you're going to get better? You'll never get better. Your dad didn't get better. Your mom didn't get better. They were an alcoholic. You're going to be an alcoholic. They were a sex addict. You're going to be a sex addict. They were addicted to drugs. You're going to be addicted to drugs. Who do you think you are? And he will begin to attack your identity not just what you did. But Jesus says that if you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. The key is you have to know the truth. How do you know the truth? The word of God right here. That's how you know the truth. That way, when the devil starts to do his conniving lies and tries to deceive you of the things that are not of God. That is like, hey, the world says you should do this. And you're like, oh, that must be true. I feel it in my feelings and all this stuff. No, you must go back to God's word and find, oh, this is why bankers, when you're a teller, they, they don't give you counterfeit money to know what's counterfeit. They give you the real thing. So you know it so well that when something slips between your fingers, you can go, oh, hold on. That, that's that's not a true. That's not real. And you should know the word of God so good that when you hear something, when you see something, when something is beginning to happen in your life, you will know at an instant. Oh, 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 oh that's not truth. That's not. No, no, no. That's not real. That's not what my Bible says. Because when you know the truth, the truth will what? It will set you free. Let me tell you something. When your identity is distorted, you will sabotage your success. You'll think, well, I just have an addictive personality. So so I, I have to cope. It's just what I have to do. I just have an addictive personality. It's just who I am. So you're going to pop that pill. You're going to drink that bottle. You're going to click that porn. You're going to do all these things. Why? Because you just have an addictive personality. It's just who you are. You'll think that. 
You'll think, well, I just stink at handling money. I'm always going to be in debt. I'll never be a good manager. I'm going to struggle financially. I'm just going to, this the way I cope. I just go on Amazon. I click buy now. The one click buy now. I just, I just, I'm going to struggle. That's who I am. You'll think I just can't trust anybody. I can't trust nobody. There's never any good friends out there. They always betray me. They're always backstabbing me. They're always doing this. So I'm going to sit in my house and I'm going to be alone and I'm going to scroll and I'm going to avoid intimacy because I'm just going to be me and myself and I'll just be fine. Nobody, I don't have to depend on nobody. Nobody got to depend on me. It's just going to be me and mine. And the truth is I have found, and I even told my son this recently. He was like, I don't know if I can find any friends. I said, that's, that's right. You won't. If you go out looking for a friend, they're very few. But if you go out to be a friend, friends are everywhere. There's a difference. And here's what the enemy is going to do. And he's going to try to put you in this vicious cycle where your distorted identity creates destructive habits. But then your destructive habits, they begin to reinforce your distorted identity. So your, your, your identity, if it's distorted, will create these habits and then those destructive habits will then reinforce your identity that is distorted. So if you want to break the destructive cycle to change what you do, you must change what you think. You must change what you think. And I want to tell you today that you are not who the devil says you are. You are not who others people say that you are. And let me even say this. You're not who you think you are. Well, I just think I'm this. You're not even that. You are who Christ says you are. You are what Christ says you are. Bottom of the line, there is no other. That is the truth. You are who Christ says you are. And nobody else can compete with that. No other word can come even close. There is no competitor to his word. There is no challenger that will ever make itself known to his word. And let me tell you this. A Christ-centered identity leads to a Christ-honoring habit. And therefore, your Christ-honoring habits will reinforce a Christ-centered identity. So let's look at what Jesus did. In Luke chapter 21, if you know this, the, the, the New Testament, you know Jesus, you will understand this. But Luke 21, Jesus was very good at his habits. It says this. Verse 37, each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. Okay, I want to stop there. Let's move to Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And it says, and Jesus came out and went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives. Now, for those that know the, don't know the context of what's happening here, the Mount of Olives was a, was a property, a, a space that was lent to Jesus to go to to pray. It was the place that even in the Mount of Olives was the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would do his last prayer before he was to be taken and betrayed by one of his own to be crucified. So, so Jesus wasn't. He wasn't just trying to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wasn't just trying to pray in the Mount of Olives. He was the type of person who prays like his prayer habit. It reinforced his identity and what God called him to do, which strengthened his habit. 
And here's the thing that I want us to embrace. You've got to embrace this if you want to make a change in your life. And that is this. Stop focusing on what you what why you do or what you want to do. Stop focusing on what you want to do and decide who you want to become. When you change your focus on what you want to do and you change it to who you want to become, what you want to do becomes a byproduct of who you want to become. So the question then comes down to is, who do you want to become? Well, you've got to change the way you think, the way that you think of you in order to find who you want to become. So if you, you may say, well, I want to be a parent who is, who is fully present and who is wholly intentional. That's the kind of person I want to be. I, I want to be, I'm a, I'm a teenager. You got to start declaring this. I'm a teenager or I'm a single adult who has found his purity or her purity in Christ and doesn't look at porn and doesn't have sex before or outside of marriage. I am someone who is, who is sober and will be a testimony of the power of Christ to change a life. That's the person I want to become. I am someone who takes care of the temple, my body that God gave me. It's the person I want to become. I am someone who loves God's word. I am someone who understands that generosity is a privilege. But you see, when you decide on who you want to become, you must then get very specific on who you want to become. You've got to get very specific. You've got to say, well, I want to be a parent who is fully present and wholly intentional. But you've got to say, but every time I'm with my family and my phone goes, ding, I will choose not to check it. Because when you choose not to check it, you then reinforce your Christ-centered identity. Because you're breaking your habit. You reinforce your identity in Christ when you make a decision specifically. I will not do that because when I do a good habit, I will reinforce my identity that is Christ centered in him. You may say, well, I'm a teenager and, and I, I want to be or a young adult and I have found my purity in Christ. I'm not going to have sex before marriage. I'm not going to have sex outside of marriage and I'm not going to be a porn addict. I'm not going to look at that stuff. But you've got to get specific. That when I'm at home alone and I'm starting to feel those temptations that I'm going to, I'm going to phone my accountability partner. I'm going to get very specific and I got to know who that is. Or I, I will not, if I'm dating, I will not be at home alone or in any environment alone with the person that I'm dating. I will not go to that private space. I will not be alone with them. Why? Because I know me and I'm tempted and I'm sinful. Why? Because I'm breathing on this planet. But if I want to change the things that I do, I've got to start looking at and change the way that I think of who I am. And I have to look at who I want to become. Because when I make those decisions to not be alone with that person, to not go stay over there that night, to not do this, to not do that, I reinforce my identity that is Christ-centered. You may say, well, I'm someone who wants to take care of the temple, the body that God gave me. Then you have to tell yourself, I don't skip workouts. I choose to not eat the better tasting. I choose to eat the better for me food. I will eat healthy. You, when you do that, when you make a specific decision, you reinforce Christ-centered identity. You may say, well, I want to be a person who loves God's word. Well, then you have to make a decision that you are going to wake up at this time or you're going to find this time during the day, whether it's morning, evening, night, whatever it is. And I will read my Bible daily. 
even if it's just pulling out my phone and going to the Bible app and reading the verse of the day, I will read that every single day. I will work on my streak. It has a streak. And every time you do, when you make the decision of a healthy habit, you reinforce your identity that's Christ-centered. You may say, well, I am someone who, who understands that generosity is a privilege and I want to be a person of generosity. That's the person that I want to become. Well, then you have to make decisions that I will return the tithe that God has already given me because I've understood that everything that is mine is not mine. It is God's and he, and he had put it on loan to me. He's entrusted me with it. So I will put God first at every opportunity I am given. And I will then begin to exuberate the fruits of the spirit of generosity with people that I come into contact with. Love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I will exuberate those things to people. I am getting specific on who I want to become. Because here's the thing. If you become very vague on what you want to be, you will never actually nail down who you want to be. It will be an idea. It would actually not be a principle in your life. It will just be this vision and you can do a vision board. But if you don't give yourself the steps to take, you will not reinforce your Christ centered identity. You will be reinforced your bad habits and you will fall off every single time because it's about what you're doing, not about who you're trying to become. You got to get very specific. And when you have a Christ honoring habit, it reinforces your Christ centered identity. And the devil's going to tell you. You're a sinner. You cannot change. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter what you do. You can say you want to become all that. It does not matter. This is just who you are. I want to read you what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Verse 21 through 24 it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life you must throw it off look at your neighbor and say you got to throw it off and look at your second best choice and say you got to throw it off why because it is corrupted by lust and deception it's corrupted our our normal nature it's corrupted. It's deceptive. Instead, somebody say instead. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Somebody needs to hear that again. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Don't look at your wife. because She's had an attitude all week. Just read the scripture out loud. Let's say it together. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and I love what it says right here it says put on your new nature which implies that it's something that you have to almost physically do you actually have to put it on I have to put on I've, I've got to take off my way I've got to take off my belief I've got to take off my ideology about this situation. I've got to take off this garment that is not mine to wear. And I have to put on the new nature in Christ Jesus. It says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, 
truly righteous and holy. I want to tell you today that no single action changes your identity, but multiple actions over time. Multiple actions. You got to change how you see yourself. And when you do, eventually it will change your identity. It will change in who you see yourself as becoming. Remember, this is not about behavioral modification. If it was, then we would all be really good at everything. No, it is a spiritual transformation. It is a heart issue that we've got to break. We've got to shed. We've got to get rid of. Why? Because it is corruptive. It is deceitful. So who are you? Well, the Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you are the light of the world, that you are an ambassador of God. That's what the Bible says, that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, that you are made in the image of God. You are an heir. You're not just a being. You are an heir to Christ. That's who you are. You are not who the devil says you are. You are not who other people say you are. You are not who you thought you were up until this point. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are, you are a child of the living God. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are chosen. You are called. You are set apart. You are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's who you are. You're not the other stuff. And that's the truth. And guess what? The devil is a liar. Somebody said, the devil is a liar. Tell your neighbor in the ear real loud where you almost burst the eardrum. Say, the devil. No, 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 no. Say it. Say it like, the devil is a liar. Now look at your other neighbor because that ear ain't ringing yet. We got to get that ear ringing. Look at him. Say it real loud. Say, the devil is a liar. But if you know the truth, if you'll know the truth and you know the truth about who God says you are, guess what? It will set you free. You wonder why you feel bondage. You wonder why you feel like you can't make ends meet in who you are. You wonder why you struggle in your purpose. You wonder why you find yourself in broken and broken and broken relationship. You wonder why you find yourself going in this cycle of life, the pride of life, all these, the lust of the flesh. You wonder why you keep going in these cycles. It's because of that's you do what you do because of what you think of you. You don't see yourself as a child of the most high God. You don't see yourself as a, as a father who sent his son to die for you. You don't see yourself the way that you think of you has to change. And I want to tell you today, some of you have been told the wrong truth your whole life. Your whole life. And you have found yourself in a place of destruction, of despair, of loneliness, of abandonment, dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness, dealing with struggling with your identity, constantly addicted and struggling in things and this and in sin. It's the pride of life. It's the lust of the flesh. And it has taken you down a hole that the world said was truth. But all you have found is that you feel empty and bound in chains. And you've been lied to your whole life. And you get lied to every day. 
You turn on the news, you're going to be lied to. You open social media, you're going to be lied to. You walk out the door, you're going to be lied to. If you're breathing, you're going to be lied to. And I want to make it very clear today as we stand to our feet for these next few moments. When everybody stands to their feet. I want to make it very clear to you today the real truth, and that is this. That Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Whether you make him Lord of your life or not, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is also King. We serve a King. We serve a Lord. Guess what? He is also your Redeemer. He's also your Savior. He also can make all things new in your life and he wants you to live a life of not just getting by, not just settling, not just, well, I do what I got to do to get where I'm at. No, he wants you to live a life of abundance. He wants you to live a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment, a life of an extraordinary living that you cannot find in your own willpower, but only by the grace of God. He said, I came that you may have life, not death, have it more abundantly not even just abundant but more abundant and it's in his truth which is the word of God that will set you free it will set you free from bad habits it will set you free from addictions in your life it will set you free from the identity that the world has said that you are what other people have said that you are what the devil has said you are and what you have thought you are and it will break that yoke off of you it'll break it'll break it completely off your life and you will be set free and a Christ-centered identity who God's called you to be. And no longer will you be a slave to them, but you'll be a servant to God and God will set you free. But that freedom can only come by accepting Jesus. That's the key. You can't find that freedom in the world. You can't find that freedom at the end of that bottle. You can't find that freedom at the click of that side. You can't find that, that freedom in that relationship. You won't find it. Well, I just need to find somebody who will love me. He'll love you. And he already did love you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you, to bleed and, and, and to die for your sins. Be nailed to a cross. And when you understand his love, then you understand what love really is. And you understand that love is not abuser. Love is not someone who will keep coming at you and tearing you down in every word that they say. No, love is encouragement. Love is a lifter of someone's heart. Love is showing unconditional love in any and every circumstance. That's love. And when you know what his love is, you know how to embrace the love that's given to you and how to give the love that you need to embrace to others. The only way to get that freedom is by accepting Jesus as Savior of your life. By giving him the keys of your life and saying, Jesus, I want you in control. I need you in the driver's seat. I've tried driving my own way and I keep running out of gas. But you have a water that your Bible, that the Bible says that there is a water that you can give where I can never thirst again. And in layman's term, I'll never run out of gas. It's constantly on full. I'll never be in need. I'll never be in want when I'm trusting you because I know that everything that I have is because of you. And I'll live a life not of of, of complacency, but I'll learn to live even in contentment of what you've given me. 
And if you can trust me with this, you'll trust me with more. You want to make all things new in my life, God? You sent your son to die for me? I'm a sinner. I'm, I, I'm, I'm wrecked. I got all these issues. I, I got all these problems. Like, you don't know what I did this week. You don't know the thoughts that were in my head. You, and he goes, yeah, I do. And I love you as you are. But I love you too much to let you stay where you think fulfillment is. I want to show you where it is. I designed this life. I gave you the manual. I want to give you a life that's more than full. That is overflowing. And you'll find joy in places where people will think you're crazy. Like, how can you be happy like this? It's like, I don't know, but it's the joy of God. He is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm going to walk every day. And I don't know how it's going to play out, but I'm going to trust him. And I don't know why I feel good. I should probably be crying and freaked out and erotic and all this stuff. But I, I've got the joy of the Lord and I don't understand it. I've got a peace that surpassed all understanding. I don't know why I got peace. My kids are crazy. rest in the Father's love and you give Him the keys to your life, you, you, you begin to change the way that you think, which then begins to change who you are. You start to see yourself more how Christ sees you rather than how others or you see yourself. With every eye closed in this room, every head bowed, this is that moment. Maybe you've been coming in for a while, or maybe this is your first time in this worship kind of worship experience and Someone invited you, they drugged you here, or maybe they even just drugged you here, whatever way you're here, but you're here today. But you're not here by accident. Because God knew and he put it on his calendar to meet you today. He set an appointment with you and you didn't even know it. And he set that appointment so that way when this moment could happen and you're given the opportunity of the invitation to invite Jesus into your life, to pray a prayer that is, there's nothing crazy about the prayer but that prayer can change your life it begins actually a life of change where he wants to set you free he wants you to know his truth he will set you free he will make all things new in your life he will give you a life of purpose and meaning and hope you never knew you could find he'll do above anything you could ever Maybe in this space today, or you're on the other side of a screen. Say, I need Jesus. I want him in my life. I didn't realize that he came to offer all that. I thought, you know, I just could pray a prayer and that'd be it. No, like I'm gonna pray that prayer today, but today I'm gonna make a change. Today I'm gonna make a decision. I don't just want to be saved, I want to continue becoming saved. I want to continue in my salvation. Today I want to make the step. That first step, the Bible says that if we will call upon the name of the Lord, it says you shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 says that if I confess with my mouth, and that's key, by using your words, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing of the word of God. So if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, and I will believe that Christ was raised from the dead by the Father in heaven, it says I will be saved today there's many of you that need to make that decision maybe this is for the very first time or maybe you've come back and you're starting this new life maybe you just moved here maybe you've been coming for a while but you know you're not living for Christ like you should walked away life has gotten the better today can be a new day 
and that today you can become a new creation in Christ all over every eye closed every head bowed if that's you today and you want to accept Jesus as Savior of your life and make him Lord of your life if that's you when I count down from three I just want you to lift your hand high where I can see because I want to pray this prayer with you today we're going to pray it out loud after everybody raises their hand we're going to pray it out loud where our ears can hear but right now I want to know who I'm praying with if that's you when I count down just lift your hand high ready three two one just lift them high lift them high lift them high thank you Jesus see that hand Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them high. This is between you and God. I see you all the way up at the top. Couples raising their hands together. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them high. I see you. Young and old, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. Most importantly, God sees you. Bible says that if I'll acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge me before the Father. This is your moment. This is your time. Today's a new day. You can start today. Make him Lord and leader. Three more seconds if that's you. Just lift it high. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's put our hands down. I want us to pray this prayer I'm talking about. We're going to say it out loud where our ears can hear us. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for saving me. Forgive me of my sins. Today I ask that I'd walk with you all the days of my life. I put my joy in you. I put my hope in you. I put my faith in you. I trust you. Have your way in me. In Jesus' name. Everyone said a big amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate every single person. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.